Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. You are not not good enough. You're just not seeing clearly enough, maybe not trying hard enough, and not trusting yourself enough. That is a quote by Emma Zoom. And before I introduce today's guest, which I'm super excited about, I want to let you know that I have a new and improved website. Woohoo! And I would love to have you visit Lucy Dumas Coaching. Dot com and let me know your thoughts. If you find any typos, it's okay to message me on that. Um, and there also is a free guide on this that will help you find your ideal clients. And if you've been listening to my show in the last several weeks, the last couple of months, you will know that I have a series that I've been doing every other week using this seven-step guide as the guide. (laughs) So you can follow along, download the guide, and then listen to those mini episodes. So let me tell you about the amazing Jeffrey Shaw. He's a photographer, author, speaker, including on the TED Talk stage, and mentor. He's often described as an authority and advocate for self-employed business owners. Jeffrey Shaw is valued for his actionable and in-the-trenches approach to achieving business and life success. He sold eggs door-to-door when he was 14 and has a history from that point of self-employment. In his 20s, he built a highly regarded portrait photography business for affluent families, and that continued for three decades. He's been featured on The Oprah Show, CBS News, in People and O magazines, and is on display at Harvard University. Today, he's the author of Lingo and the Self-Employed Life, host of the Self-Employed Life podcast, with nearly 2 million downloads, and founder of Self-Employed Business Institute. He is a LinkedIn learning instructor, contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and speaks extensively at associations, groups, and conferences. Phew, is that all? (laughs) So now on with the show. Okay, here we are with the amazing Jeffrey Shaw. Um, Jeffrey, I want to thank you for being on my show again. I first heard about and met Jeffrey when he spoke at the Professional Photographers of America conference in 2019, I think, Mm. 18, 19. And I was so inspired by his talk that I bought his book, Lingo. And then in June, when I decided to have a podcast, the first person that I wanted to be on my show that I didn't already know personally was Jeffrey. So he was episode 15. And here we are, Jeffrey, episode 200, four years later. You're still writing more books and I'm still interviewing 
wonderful people like you. So thank oh, you for thank you. Well, that's good. Congratulations for you, to you on the progression of your show too. And the average podcast lasts like seven episodes. So yes, you're just busting it up. Good for you. Yeah. The person that helped me put it together talked all the time about pod fade, pod fade, pod fade. And I just made this decision. I'm not going to do pod fade. So whenever I think, mm, should I keep going? I was like, no, don't be a pod fader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have a podcast as well. I do. Yeah. Gosh, I'm on, it's uh, in June. It was the ninth year of, of the podcast. All and right. we have broadcast just shy, broadcast just shy of 900 episodes. I've recorded wow. more than that because I'm always recording way ahead. But um, yeah, it's uh, about 900 episodes over nine years. And nine years ago, it felt like the wild, wild west. I don't think any of us knew what we were getting into. Um, and uh, here we are. Still yeah. doing it, and it's still going strong. Thankfully, and you have a million listeners. Um, well, there's been over two million downloads over the nine years. Um, but you know, the episode, the podcast ranges anywhere between like twenty three thousand to thirty thousand wow. listens a month. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and it's still, and I keep, you know, as we do when we're self employed or when we're running our own business, right? We always we expect that we wait for the shoe to drop. So I've I've always looking at the stats, thinking. You know, when are people going to stop listening? Because, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all, we're probably going to talk about my next book being about self doubt and all that stuff. Like, I still have it 40 years in. Um, so sure. I do think sometimes, like, when are people going to stop listening? Is this just all a, a you know, a fad? But yes. they keep, <laughs> yeah, they right. keep listening. <laughs> true, true. I, I've got that same, uh, that same thing. So, yes. So Jeffrey has a new book that he's writing. How long have you been? writing your book and what's the title yeah so this will be the third book um you know and i love talking about it already because i'm actively writing it as we're talking about which is a very different for me i've never started talking about a topic so far in advance of a book coming out because the book won't be out till spring of 2025 oh no um so i know <laughs> we're well in advance but it's fun to talk but let's face it it's a universal topic so we can talk about this now we'll be talking about it in 2050. uh the topic is self-doubt uh but particularly self-doubt for high achievers and how high Ooh. achievers encounter self-doubt now the book tentatively the working title is un unstoppable but the topic of it is nature of self-doubt and how that came about uh, a couple couple different ways actually so I, I try to look at the writing of my books as kind of an ecosystem because i'm always writing for the same audience in fact everything i do i try to make sure it's the same audience and it's an audience of business owners typically self-employed um so, you know, my first book, Lingo, was uh, about brand messaging. My second book, The Self-Employed Life, is kind of the whole ecosystem of, of being self-employed. And I thought, and both books were both very, you know, while there's certainly a lot of personal development and coaching in the book, they're, they're also practical. They're business mm -hmm. strategy books. But when I really thought about in the ecosystem of the lives of self-employed business owners, what did I feel they needed next? Like for the same reader, but their next part of their journey. And self-doubt is what came up to me because I hear it so often from my clients and my students at the Self-Employed Business Institute. Uh, self-doubt comes up. I, I just had an open coaching call and one of our students was uh, sharing her recent experience with self-doubt. And then here's a, a just a fantastic question that was asked of me. And I think many of us business owners can ask ourselves uh, when trying to, I had eight, I had eight different ideas for the next book. 
And speaking to a speaking to a friend of mine, many of your listeners may know Mike Michalowicz. Mike's a good friend of mine. And I, I called upon him. Mike is from, he wrote Profit First, is one of his many books, mm-hmm. Get Different, Clockwork. I mean, he's just amazing. Um, and I asked him, I reached out to him for his help to decide on the next book. And he had said to me, great question for us all to ask ourselves, is what's something everyone encounters but thinks that they're the only one? Mm. Right. And that, and as soon as he asked the question, I was like, self-doubt. I had, I said, I had seven other ideas. This is only one of them, but that fit the bill and was really exactly what I wanted to address. So that's how the idea uh, for the next book about, so I said, it's actually for the same audience of business owners. Um, and yet it will also, I think, appeal to a much broader audience of people who may not be self-employed, but we all face self. Like I said, it's something we all encounter and we often think we're the only ones. I'm just focusing more on it how it applies to high achievers, because I think that's particularly fascinating. Yes. Yes. Because how is it that I'm going to include myself in the high achiever? Mm-hmm. How is it that self-doubt, how has it held me back? How has it actually helped me at times? So first of all, can you put a framework around what you mean by self-doubt? Is there is there a definition? I mean, I, it seems obvious, but maybe you have a... Yeah. A take on it that is going to be cool. Yeah, and I don't know that I would say, but it, again, I love what you're saying. First of all, that uh, the reason you know high high achievers it just shows up more. You know, it's interesting, and I think again, it definitely relates to being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. I've I've always said, I mean, always. I think this is being in business from day one for me, which is you know 40 years now. I've always said being self-employed is like personal development on steroids. Absolutely. I mean, when you are a high achiever, self-employed, you are going to move, you're moving through life faster, harder than, than your average person. Like you're going to encounter more situations, more challenges, like everything's just on steroids. You're going through the process of growth and personal development and, and the way that you're being called to grow faster because you're exposing yourself so much. So for that reason, you know, and here's what Lucio, I think is really fascinating. I started looking in the very early stages of writing the book at what research is out there. Because I'd like this book, I originally wanted this book to be more, a little more scientific backed, uh, more research backed than mm-hmm. my previous books. Because I tend to be a very conceptual thinker, being a you know photographer, visionary. Um, but I wanted this book to have a little more science backing to it. But you know what? I couldn't really find any science on the downside of self-doubt most of the science that's out there and research that's out there is talks about the gifts of self-doubt which is all well and good but here's my perspective on it you try telling a high achiever who's trying to get somewhere in their lives and is right in this moment feeling stuck or challenged by self-doubt you try to tell them that's a gift, right? <laughs> like it feels <laughs> Yay, nothing like a gift. I'm right? afraid. <laughs> and I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired of this, this schmaltzy approach to things. If that's a thing, think it's a word, uh-huh. Yiddish word. It's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this, this rote things that people say out of habit without understanding, like, what does it feel for, like for those of us with boots on ground? Right. And I, I just think it's actually insulting to just be like, ah, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's, here's the upside of, of doubt. I'm like, yeah, but when I'm trying to accomplish big things in my life and 
I'm finding myself stuck with self-doubt or what I, what I'm finding is often the biggest consequence of self-doubt is that people, this is a metaphor, but they dip their toe in the water instead of dive full in. I don't think self-doubt often stops high achievers because they're so used to like, they're going to plow through, but I do find often it causes people to just dip their toe in the water. Mm -hmm. They don't show up as big in the world as they could. They don't, they're not as bold in the way that they're presenting themselves. For that matter, they may not be marketing themselves as much as they need to because they have, there's some element of doubt. There's fear that they're going to be looked at as being too salesy or too aggressive. So they doubt themselves. But so it may not stop a high achiever but it without a doubt causes them to slow down or to be what I refer to as the 80% goal, like 80%, maybe even at the most, seven to 8% of them is showing up, but not their full 100% right. because they've allowed self-doubt to, to slow them down. Right. As a business coach, and I think you do coaching. Uh, anyway, yes, you're a coach yeah, as well. 100%. That's most of my um, income is coaching. Yeah. <laughs> I have found, and tell me if this is what you notice as well, that people who have, oh, so much potential, and I'm just like, okay, get out there, go for that. And then we have our next call, and they stall, or they're mm -hmm. they're afraid, or sometimes we've unpacked like why they didn't do something that maybe wasn't even that hard and they've shared the fear of not being able to do whatever it is, you know, maybe with photography um, deciding to, um, I don't know, be a wedding photographer and the self doubt that you can actually pull it off can keep you from marketing yourself yeah. or when you get leads making those calls, because let's face it, self-doubt is fear, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it's just, it has surprised me over the uh, nine or 10 years I've been coaching at how much this has slowed people down mm -hmm. from what is huge potential. Yeah. So thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll, I'll point out what I think are three, and this is again, this is why I'm gearing the book towards high, high achievers. Um, I'll point out three kind of main i think 30 components but the, the highlights one is and this this is really kind of the really turnaround thinking of self-doubt and actually this i have to say i think this is the the pitch that got my publisher to publish the book so i'm publishing with the same publisher as i did my previous book but you know th there's no guarantee that they're interested in publishing that topic so you still have to pitch yourself and what really turned it around for them is when i said that i believe self-doubt is bigger than imposter syndrome Mm. And they, the publisher was immediately like, whoa, tell me more. Like I, I immediately had her attention because, of course, there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome. It's a big buzz. Um, the reason why I think self-doubt is a bigger challenge than imposter syndrome is that in, in imposter syndrome, we worry about other people thinking that, that we're not who they think we are. Oh. Okay. Right? That's kind of the root of self-doubt is you're afraid that oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm a fraud or, but actually that's from their perspective, you know? So it's actually all about mm -hmm. the other thinking, you know, but yet we collapse in the fear of imposter syndrome thinking, you know, I don't, I, I'm not all that people are going to find out I'm a fraud. 
So we worry about other people finding out, you know, our quote unquote truth, which is what we, why we get challenged with imposter syndrome. Uh. Self-doubt, the reason I think it's a bigger issue is that really, if you look at the root of self-doubt, it's you're fearful of finding out yourself that you're not all that. And that hurts more. To me, it's so much more painful to come to the truth of, oh my gosh, I'm not who I think I am. That's why self-doubt, it just it's a big challenge because we fear that we might find out that we're not who we are because we can't replicate something we did before. And so that brings me to the next key point about self-doubt. I'm doing, a, I have a lot of survey go. So I, I mentioned earlier about trying to make this scientific and research-based. And I'm, I'm kind of drifting away from that because I'm not finding the research that really supports uh, my own theories. And I, instead, what I'm doing is I've got a, a survey that I'm circulating and any of your listeners can take it. You can get it at selfdoubtsurvey.com. Would love for everybody to go and, and take this brief survey, although it's not so brief. You can put as much attention into it as you want. But I'm really now leaning towards writing the book from the perspective of real boots on the ground, in the trenches, real life high achievers, and getting a f- pulling out of them how they're experiencing self doubt. My favorite question on the survey is Do you experience self doubt more often when you're doing something for the first time or doing something you've done before? Mm overwhelmingly, the response has been, I have more self-doubt when I'm doing something I've done before. Interesting. So I've found in my lifetime uh, that when I've done something for the first time physically, like the first time I bowled, I got a strike. The first Mm -hmm. time I threw a dart, I got a bullseye. Uh, And then it's that next time trying to do it again, that then, you know, of course, I don't know how to bowl a strike every time. I just didn't know how to not bowl a strike. So anyway, I'm just thinking about that. That's like a little, little thing I've noticed. So I think that fits in. I I love it. I'm actually writing this down. He's like, oh my gosh, Lucy just gave me something for the book. Um, I never thought about that. The whole beginner's luck, right? What, what is the phenomenon behind beginner's luck? Why do we off? Well, you know what? Probably the phenomenon, if I get underneath it, is because there's a lack of self-doubt when you're doing something for the first time. So therefore you have this experience of beginner's luck. Thank you for offering that. I mean, that's just brilliant. The reason more people recognize they encounter self-doubt uh, when they're doing something they've done before, it's because you now have laid expectation on it. Mm. And this, again, is why self-doubt is a bigger challenge for high-achieving people. Because because you achieve, you inherently have expectations for your next level of achievement. Right. It just, it's right. by nature of being high, a high achiever. By, you know, you're, you're going to, now you have expectation on your next level of achievement. Once you've in- introduced expectation, you're going to have more doubt. Mm-hmm. Um the third component of self-doubt that I'm finding that really stands out is how, and this is, I can think of the, the most practical at the root experience you see when people go through self-doubt is they've detached from what they know to be true about themselves. Hmm. When we experience self-doubt, it is amazing to me, particularly amongst high achievers, that they have forgotten what they've highly achieved at before. Right. (laughs) They have forgotten that they probably have done something similar to this before. They have forgotten that 
They are brave enough. They've shown bravery in their life before. They have forgotten the fact that they are, in fact, brave enough to be a business owner, to be a high achiever, all of which is evidence that you've you've nailed this before. And this moment of self-doubt is, is no big deal. But if there's a detachment process that comes from self-doubt that when I when I have conversations with people about self-doubt and how they experience it, it's almost as if they have forgotten who they were. Mm. There's like a self-doubt amnesia. <laughs> Do you think that, because um, I'm thinking about where it, it comes from and um so another little story when i was seven we took the um iq tests and they pulled my parents aside i'm not i'm not bragging you know but they said lucy has a very high iq now i think they made the mistake of telling me because then my expectation of myself was to be a straight a student which i was Mm -hmm. not because I mean, I my uh, reading, writing, all the things, art, all of those things that are the way my brain works. I got amazing grades, but math, language. Even though I'm good at conversational languages, picking up things and accents, the the technical part, I did not excel at handwriting. <laughs> I got. C minuses in handwriting. So I had a lot of self-doubt at my potential or about achievement and everything you're talking about because I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a straight. You were told you have a high IQ. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so the expectation Mm -hmm. was higher than it should be. Yeah. And then that, then it was insecure. I mean, I had no idea I would become an entrepreneur. I had no idea what I would do. I just went along with whatever felt right and things fell into place. But yeah, Yeah, no, it's it's what you're referring to is the undercurrent, which I'm really looking at the the power of the undercurrent of self-doubt is is undoubtedly expectation. Similarly, you can compare it to if you know the work of Brene Brown, which most people are familiar with her work around vulnerability. But I tell you, the more you know about her work around vulnerability, you're pretty hard pressed to try to discern is her topic really vulnerability or is it shame mm-hmm. because they go so hand in hand. And, and so really, if you look at her work and her, her amazing body of work, uh, that there's an undercurrent of shame, which is what has caused people to feel like vulnerability is a weakness, uh. right? So her teachings around vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability is stri- strength. And so, but in order to get that, you have to deal with the shame. Right. The same is that in order of, you know, there's this undercurrent of self-doubt around expectation. I think that's, I think if one to make a comparison between our work, I think when this book is out, people will see that there's, that expectation is going to go hand in hand with self-doubt in the same way shame goes hand in hand with vulnerability. But you have to deal with the undercurrent. The undercurrent is often the driver for the way it's showing up and the way it's showing up as a challenge. And that is most definitely what I'm finding initiated by the survey and the, the overwhelming response of people that are that have admitted to feeling self-doubt more when they're doing something they've done before mm. and the only explanation explanation for that can be that that's because you've laid expectations on it you know right. I, I literally have a piece of art in my family room um that is it says expectations are the blueprint for di- disappointment mm. 
<laughs> right. I mean, it's something I was, it was given to me as a gift years ago. I actually talk about the story of it in lingo because it's a, a rather dramatic story and how I ended up with this piece of art, but it's a massive print, um, but very powerful statement that expectations, you know, are set up for disappointment and it, right. they really are. And right. that's how it connects into self-doubt. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about how expecting to always do things perfectly, yeah. never have anyone criticize. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one that a thousand people can praise something and one person can one person one little thing <laughs> yeah. and then you mm -hmm. lose sleep at night and wonder and you know I'm a loser and <laughs> yeah. that there's there's that um expecting myself to be good yeah. at everything rather than which is why I'm looking at this from the perspective of high achievers right that's yes. why I'm writing this book for the same audience like the same people that would have read my book lingo and the self-employed life business okay. owners high achievers that's why this book I'm not writing this book for people that are stuck on their couch and aren't going anywhere in their life because they won't get it but the surprise of success you could say and actually that's that would be another good book Ooh. uh the <laughs> the surprise of success is the things we often the things we think we're leaving behind actually show up louder and imposter syndrome is one of them right i mean i know many people that as they achieve levels of success i mean think about how often people in a management role are promoted to a higher level of management or a, you know a higher position and suffer with imposter syndrome because they don't feel qualified for the promotion they don't feel qualified mm -hmm. for the advancement so it's, there are certain things, certain characteristics. I, this really started showing up for me, um, honestly, years ago, I was part of a, I was in a member of a Facebook group that was for speakers and it was an invitation only group, uh, pretty tight knit initially. The group grew to a couple hundred members, but it was actually a very tight group and it was intended to be kind of the the water cooler for professional speakers in that it was the place where you could, I think originally it was kind of thought of like the place you could vent because it's a, it's a stressful lifestyle, even more so nowadays being stuck on planes. And, but it was, so it was a kind of, I think I thought a place to like where you could really vent, but honestly what happened was it became, I think more of a platform where high achieving, very well-known authors, People that you know by first name or are part of this group or you know know by by names of uh, the authoring books. And what it became really was a place where people really share their vulnerability mm. and share their fears. And I became really intrigued. And I, I do think it was the root of why I became interested in this topic of self-doubt is because I watched some of the most successful authors that you know by name and speakers and very high-level people behind the scenes, they are experiencing so much self-doubt, experiencing mm -hmm. so much imposter syndrome, feeling so elevated. I mean, they write a, they, they wrote a book because they thought they wanted, they had something to say and they thought it was kind of a reclusive lifestyle, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what they wanted. Yeah. And the book busts open, becomes huge. And now they have a whole other lifestyle to deal with. They're like, I never, I don't even know if I wanted this, but now the book is famous. Now they're famous. And to, to listen to them deal with the fears and the pains and the self-doubt and how do I ever write another book now? Like mm -hmm. I wrote this book, this book sold millions of copies. Like, what do I do now? Right, right. <laughs> right. 
very vulnerable. And it really got me intrigued by the correlation between high achieving and the challenges we face that we think we're going to be leaving behind because as people aspire to be more and more successful, they think they're going to be shedding a lot of these challenges. And in fact, they get louder. And it doesn't matter if you're the author of a multi-million dollar best-selling book or, you know, a photographer running your business. Like I said, right in the beginning, the fact of the matter is if you're brave enough to have your own business, you are exposing yourself to the world in a way that is likely to push buttons. Either you're an introvert in an extrovert world, or you're an extrovert, but people are very free to criticize. Like there's, there's just exposure because you're in business that can't help but push some buttons that you are likely to experience as a high achiever. Right. And, you know, I've seen the superstars in our photography industry, how people um, like to look for flaws. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine how it feels because I decided at a certain point not to keep speaking and getting on platforms and traveling around, you know, with PPA, I decided to, to work in my home and my business, but well, it's I can imagine how difficult yeah. it would have been for me to get yeah. the criticism that is bound to come when you're in public and people assign things to, to someone that maybe like, they're not walking on water. They're not perfect. They're just right. people. We all have our strengths. We all have those things that are not so strong. So yeah, when we take risks and get out there in the world and have that self-doubt, that's that's a tough yeah. uh I think, again, Brene, Brene Brown addresses that beautifully. Um, I saw her years ago, pretty early in her career, speak at a conference in New York City, and she said this on the stage, and it it has since become pretty quite common, and people have heard of you know, recited it. What mm-hmm. she said was that, and it clearly it was, you could tell it was, she was at a point again, it was kind of the early uh, rising of her fame. And you could see that she was probably beginning to deal with that. Like she was suddenly, you know, human culture seems to want to build people up and then knock them down. Right. So, right. There's, it's a common pattern. And you, you could see her dealing with the criticism that hurt. You know, and, and we have to remember that people are humans and, and there's a good chance, not everyone, but, you know, some people walk around the world with a suit of armor, but most people are, are humans with human feelings. And she was clearly battling this new experience of being criticized. Um, and I think often she got criticized from within because she's a scientist and a researcher. And then uh, that very same audience, some now is challenging the validity of what she's finding. And, um, but what she said, which I think is true for all of us, is she said, I have learned to not take criticism from anyone not playing life as big as I am. Mm. And that has stayed with me because, you know, Lucy, as you're saying, I mean, I've, I have continued to push my career. I've continued to push my exposure in life. I've continued to put myself out there. I'm very vocal on social media. I take on tough challenges and tough topics and I'm vocal about it. And yeah, I've exposed myself to all sorts of opinions, um, and misjudgments, you know, um, so, and often misjudgments, but 
I have learned, I've really embraced that. It's like, well, you know what? If you're not playing life as bold as I am, if you're not willing to take as many risks, then I'm sorry, but your, your perspective is not valid to me. I will listen to my peers, people that are playing life as big as I am, putting them, exposing themselves and putting themselves out there equal to, or equal or higher than I am. Um, I will listen. I will listen to their valuable input, but I'm sorry if you're, you know, if you're not, if you're not a high achiever, but you think you have an opinion about the keynote I just gave, I'm yeah, not going to take a for, whole lot of, thank you for sharing. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So you gave us the components. The number one self-doubt is bigger than imposter syndrome, which mm-hmm. I've never thought of imposter syndrome as uh, other people's judgment on us. So, so I guess I self-doubt. I labeled as imposter syndrome. So I like that separation. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> when I was in high school, I was the yearbook editor and I was down on the field of a football game. And I didn't really realize you need to stay away from the field because uh, they, the players don't always stay right within the lines. <laughs> right. And two very handsome young men fell on me. And I went flying. <laughs> and I think most people, the pain would have been the shame and embarrassment. To me, it was just the pain. <laughs> I ran my nylons, you know, so so that I don't know if that totally fits, but I'm someone that is more interested or more taken down my by my own inner demons, inner mm-hmm. conversation than the fear of embarrassment. But I know a lot of people it's embarrassment. So I'm thinking that is that possibly married to that imposter syndrome. So self-doubt, number one, is bigger. Um, Number two was often we have more self-doubt when we've already done something and we're doing it again. Mm -hmm. Three is when we detach from what we know about ourselves. So let's dip into some good news. So how do we deal with self-doubt? How do we, I'm not going to say use it to our advantage, although that would be another conversation. (laughs) Like I use self-doubt to never have gotten on a double diamond lift at a ski resort because it's actually (laughs) self-truth. Well, and that's a really good, I like, I'm glad that you asked it. First of all, you're not going to make, I mean, we're very, the, the subtitle of the book um, is currently uh, manage self-doubt and live your full potential, right? So I'm referring mm-hmm. to it as manage, right? Because it's not about it going away. It's not no. going to go away. Um, I love your example of, of the ski slope, but here's the thing, and it, it ties into this as well, is that this is a chapter in the book as well, that you had said you're using, you use self-doubt, in some way. Um, I think there's also a shift. I don't know if whether it's as we mature in years or I actually think it's more of a social shift because I don't see it in younger generations than, than perhaps our generation. Mm. And that is a lot of us were driven again as high achievers a lot of us drove ourselves to our current level of achievement through what I refer to as a negative fuel source. Mm. 
Okay, we drove ourselves to the level of achievement that we now sit at, whatever level of achievement that is. If you look at it, it may have been, um, you know, fear of not being perfect. Uh, it could have been, you know, like you said, self-doubt or in some ways we may have used kind of a, what I refer to as a negative fuel source. And I am most definitely, uh, you know, for me, the negative fuel source was I never wanted to be caught unprepared. The thought of being caught unprepared was a paralyzing fear for me, which drove my success in a positive way because I was so concerned about being caught unprepared. I was overprepared for everything. It mm. made me a good photographer. It made me the photographer that always showed up early. My clients never had to worry about me being late. It made me the photographer that, you know, I was never not going to complete an order on time. I wasn't ever going to, everything was always going to be perfect. Um, because I was driven by this fear of being caught unprepared. Okay. So while that, and again, this ties into a pretty classic phrase, a lot of us hear like, what got you here may not get you to where you want to go. I think this negative fuel source that so many of us were driven by worked really well for us at a period of time, doesn't work for us so well now for a number of reasons. One, it's in conflict to your self-care. And we live in a world now, thankfully, where people are putting effort into their self-care, their well-being, and their mental health. There's no way you could be driving your success with a negative fuel source and be benefiting your mental health. You're living on the line of fear of something. Right. And I think not only has that, I said, not only do I think that has, that changes and evolves as we mature, I actually think generationally it's different. I don't think generations younger than us are driven as much by negative fuel source. They don't live I mean, why did we get good grades in school? Because we were afraid of the permanent record. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? There is no permanent record. There is no, I mean, you know, we, why did we behave? Because we were afraid of authority. Yes. You know, generations after us, don't, they're not driven by this yeah. false sense of authority. They're not, they're not driven by this permanent record in school. They have learned just generationally. I think they they they're driven by what's positive. They're driven by YOLO. You know, you only live once. So they're right. driven more by a mentality of lived life to its fullest and positively because you only live once. So I think a big part of of you know the shift um, away from self doubt is and, and the reason we would want to manage it is that there's just no reason to try to drive your success any longer with self doubt. Instead, let's not see it as a benefit of driving your success, but let's say, let's, let's enable you to be as successful and likely more successful because you've learned to manage it in front of you instead of using it to push you from behind. Because you will get further in your level of achievement. I and mean, if you look at the dynamics, the gravitational dynamics between push and pull, you know, you're going to... It's better to be pulled towards something, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be you want to be lured by the ability to manage the self doubt than to try to use it to push you to where you want to go. So, do we have some steps to help us? Because it's not to me. It's not like oh, I'm just going to stop doing that. Like yeah. I, I. <laughs> Although that is one of the steps. That's step number one. I will tell sure. you that. 
it's it's um, and this is again. I always say one of the reasons why I love and I love coaching people I refer to as of a certain age, uh, but it's also who I'm writing my books for. Not that twenty year olds don't read my books, but I'm writing them for you know anyone you know high achiever. 30 to 60, 70, I don't know, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, and one of the advantages of working with that uh, folks in that age bracket is the more you mature, the more it is true that you can change your life on the dime, on a dime. Like right. the older you get, the more you realize that, man, you can go to uh, PPA's conference imaging and you can hear one speaker say something and boom, it can change your life and career, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can just, I love, I love that. That comes with maturity. So honestly, the first step is to shed light on it. And that is... That's my reader's promise. When I, when I, as I prepare to write a book, I always develop, I do a lot of background work, uh, more inner work. And I ask myself, like, what's the promise of this book? And, and what's my hope for the book? My hope for the book is that we have a, we increase the conversation around Mm self-doubt because the promise is that if we talk about it, it will lose its power. It's like anything else, right? The more I love that Leonard Cohen Cohen phrase from his book, his song, Hallelujah, that um, it has a crack in it and that's how the light gets in, mm-hmm. right? When you crack something, when you, when we have conversation about self-doubt, it's by nature, it's going to lose its power. So, so pay attention to it. Number yep. one. Step number one is to just pay attention to it. See it. Yes. It'll lose yes. its power. I love what you said about going on your permanent record, because in my journey, I've come up with some mantras when I find myself at that self-doubt place. And one of them is, it's not going on my permanent record. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and and yep. the other is, this really helped me, it's not brain surgery. Yeah. Um, but funny, funny, haha, I guess, <laughs> is I have had brain surgery. And when my doctor told me what was going on, I was so in the habit of that, you know, to to calm anxiety when anything was scaring me or making me doubt that I said, well, it's not brain surgery. And he leans in and goes, yeah, Lucy, yeah, it, is. it is. So, But <laughs> yeah. I got through even that. The thing that yeah. that was like the mantra of, you know, no or yeah. Anyway, so. I love that you said that, not on the permanent record. Yeah, no, I get it. It, it. I love that. That's, yeah, the thing that you, the tool that you use to calm yourself down when faced with it, you still overcame it. And it right? still Which calms you down. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And that's, so that's, yeah, so shed light on it is the first thing, right? Um, secondly, which I'm going to say in a different order than usual because of what you just said, but second is I encourage people to have a shutdown phrase, right? You're referring to it as a mantra, but you know what? You may need something a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, I, my shutdown phrase is shut the F down. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I literally just call it out. I mean, it's, it's, you want to, you probably, you may need something because those, those, that inner voice, those inner critics. And in fact, another, another component I talk about in the book, and I, I, again, just referred to in my a group coaching call I had moments ago was I call, I've, I've given this stuff a name. I call it the soul's gatekeepers, right? The soul's gatekeepers are the things that are going to show up literally and, and just metaphorically things that are going to show, going to show up to challenge you at a moment of growth, mm. right? Um, I always say it's almost as if we, we are on this we're on this lifelong quest, it seems, particularly high achievers, particularly people that are seekers, visionaries, 
we are often on a lifelong quest to, to know ourselves better, right? It's why we, we, we seek out personal development and we've chosen right. to become business owners, which is personal development on steroids. So because of that, in your layers of seeking, every time it, it, there's a way in which it's like you're on your way to figure all of life out. You're on your way to figure out what makes you tick. And along the way, it's almost as if your soul says, uh-uh, you're not supposed to entirely figure me out. Mm. So as you get closer, you'll find that obstacles show up. That's could be self-doubt. It could be imposter syndrome. Um, I've also seen a lot of self-employed business owners leave their job, choose to become self-employed. They're working on building their business and they get an amazing job offer mm. and they're taunted. Like, what do I do? Do I go back to where I just came from? I got, you know, I just left employment and now I'm being taunted with a, a job offer. And I was like, yeah, that's a soul's gatekeeper. What do you want to do with that? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you want to retreat or do you want to see it as a test of your commitment to the direction you're going in? All right. So, um, that's why you want to have a mantra to shut that down. So mm -hmm. something assertive and strong to just, when that voice shows up, when that soul's gatekeepers have it, sit down and shut up. The third step, what we were referring to earlier, is to reconnect with who you are. It is so common that when people go through moments of self-doubt, they also have this epiphany moment like, oh yeah, why am I worried about this? I mean, I, the, the word stupid and self-doubt goes together remarkably often. Like people will say to me, um, yeah, it's, this is so stupid, but I'm doubting myself. This is so, and they're, they, they're recognizing that it's stupid because they're like, why am I letting this <laughs> cause me doubt? I've done other things like it, or I've been brave before. I mean, I do the same thing. I mean, I'm 40 years in business and, you know, anytime something major comes along, like, you know. 9-11, the Great Recession, the pandemic, mm -hmm. these things come along that interrupt our lives and our businesses. And, and even with all my experience, I will sometimes, you know, think to myself, oh my gosh, okay, this is it. This is the one that's going to put me <laughs> under. <laughs> and you're thinking, really? Like 40 years of proof that you know how to make it through anything isn't enough to tell you that this, this instance is not going to do you under, mm -hmm. right? But so that's what you also want to do is kind of reconnect to the stupidity of it and just say, I've, I've got this. I've done something similar. I've shown bravery before. Mm. This is not a big deal. And so try to reconnect with your past, I think will really help you get forward again. So what if someone hasn't really connected with themselves? How do they begin to do that to understand just tap back into your experience you know i mean I, I work with a lot of people that have left their corporate jobs and and unfortunately i and i have validated this with other coaches most people seem to leave their job three years too late mm. <laughs> they've mm. had the idea for three years and by the time they finally leave they're like running out the door and literally or metaphorically you could say running out the door and that they often like shut the door on that experience and then they go into business for themselves and they face face self-doubt and I will encourage them. It's like, but wait a minute, you were a high achieving executive in this business that you worked for. Like, you don't think that gives you proof that you can handle this. So even if, you know, it's sometimes, even if it's not always just like this deep personal work that you've done, just look at your resume, yeah. look at your, a, a good friend of mine and, and fellow coach, Mary Rooney, she calls it the value vault. Go into your value vault <laughs> and look at what you have in there, where what you have of value that's always been there. 
And I think that's a great way of reconnecting. I said, so it's not deep personal work. Sometimes it's just your list of experience and your resume is more than enough proof to, to prove to yourself that you've got this thing that you're worried about. Right. And I'm sure you would agree with me on this, that having someone else like a coach help you look at your value vault, help you con- reconnect or even connect for the first time with everything you've accomplished. Um, I find that a lot in coaching is having people sharing their self-doubts. And then when I say, well, look at this and look at this and look at yeah. this, you know, it's sometimes hard to see it on our own. Yeah. So no, absolutely. Getting support. It's, yeah. You yeah. would agree with this, yes? 100%. Yeah, <laughs> obviously as a coach, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why I I do it, is yeah. to help people see themselves when they can't. So, yeah. So I'm just going to ask you two things. Uh, actually, maybe it's two and a half. So I know you have a free gift for us. So what is that? And mm-hmm. How do we access that? Sure. So um, again, I did mention the self-doubt survey since our conversation fit into that. Um, The other uh, thing that people can grab, which is really helpful, particularly for your audience of photographers, uh, is the selfemployedassessment.com. So just go to selfemployedassessment.com. And it's a tool that I use um, for people to be able to see where what their strengths and weaknesses are in their business. And it's a custom algorithm, so it doesn't give you just one size or, you know, or cookie cutter results uh, that based on how you answer the questions, it'll, it'll direct you as to where you might want to put some attention, whether it's your personal development or your business strategies or daily habits. Okay. And then the self-doubt survey is under selfdoubtsurvey.com, correct? Correct. Yep. And are those accessible through your Jeffrey Shaw website as well? Um, the assessment is the survey is not. Okay. But just go so go directly to selfdoubtsurvey.com. It's in the show notes if someone is driving and can't write it down right now, but they're listening. So my last question is really just giving you the opportunity to either finish up something that you w- would maybe think, oh, I wish I had shared that piece or your parting thoughts. So hmm. what do you have for us? Um, oh, my gosh. We talked about so much. Um I would say parting thoughts is, you know, again, I, I'm writing this book for high achievers. Acknowledge yourself as such. Uh, and what I define as a high achiever is not by any determined by any level of current success. It's a mindset. Uh, people that have a it, there's it's just it's a mindset. It's a way of being that will lead you to levels of success. Um, but it isn't by no means determined by your sales and your business or anything like that. I don't, I see achievement as that way. Um, there's just a, we all start from somewhere. We all had one blog, one reader of our blog, one listener to our podcast, one reader of our books. We all start from one. So it's not about your current level of achievement, but, uh, if you're brave enough to, to be self-employed, you are by mindset, a high achiever. Mm, Thank you. So I want to remind people to stay tuned for my little quick wrap up. And Jeffrey, as expected, it's been just a pleasure. And I wish we could hang out for a couple of days and uh, (laughs) just talk and talk and learn and support everything that you're doing. And perhaps someday. Anyway, thank you so much. It's just been a joy. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Okay. 
I feel so lucky to have such great conversations with amazing authors and photographers. And um, Jeffrey Shaw is, of course, one of those that I especially enjoy, which doesn't mean I haven't enjoyed every single one of my podcast guests. So uh, let's see if I can have a quick little wrap up. Oh, but before I do, remember to check out my new look of lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and to grab my book, The Seven Step Guide to Finding Ideal Clients, and uh, listening to my mini course on this podcast um, that's running every other uh, every other week for at least five. <laughs> I don't need to do all seven one at a time. Anywho, so topic was on self-doubt, and I thought that was just a really rich exploration with lots of nuances. He talked about where it came from. His goal for his book is uh, to explore self-doubt for high achievers. And he says that self-employed people and high achievers encounter more challenges, but we're doing them faster. And so then we're growing fast. Um, And he says one of the consequences when we let self-doubt be in charge is we dip a toe in and we don't dive right in. Correcting that, we don't dive right in. Um, It slows us down and our goals end up to being smaller uh, if we're letting self-doubt impact us. So he said there's three components. One, self-doubt is not the same as imposter syndrome. Uh, Self-doubt is the inner challenge. He found that self-doubt comes more often when we're doing something again, rather than uh, when we've done it for the first time. And (laughs) I didn't say this, but ignorance is bliss. I guess there's a reason for that. And we detach from what we know to be true about ourselves. That's the challenge of self-doubt is not remembering what we've done in the past. There's an undercurrent of self-expectation and shame and vulnerability. Um, and we then talked about how we manage it. Uh, and he said a lot of time it is driven from a negative fuel source like the fear of not being perfect. So one of the things we can do to help not let self-doubt have control is number one, to shed light on it, to look at it, to air it out, to pay attention to it. Two is to have what he calls a shutdown phrase. And three is to take that time to reconnect with ourselves and look at what he calls our value vault. And we discussed that, of course, having a coach can help us with all of that. And I would love, you know, if you feel like, gosh, Lucy, I think you could really help me. Just go to that new website, click on a 20-minute call, and we can just chat and I can give you some support. No obligation. I'm not pushy. I don't have room for thousands of of coaching clients right now, Um, but I have all the room in the world to help you in your success in whatever way I can. So, and his parting thought was to always be acknowledging ourselves that 
being a high achiever is a mindset, not actually like we don't have to be the richest or the best or the most successful, but having that achievement mindset is um, where it all starts. So thanks again so, 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 so much for listening and love to hear from you. I know I already said that. And until next time, bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.